Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Loaded Cock Podcast. Join Paul, Daniel, and their occasional guests as they dig in and talk about video games and the gaming industry. This week's episode, we discuss AAA games. There's no telling what we will say, so stay tuned to find out. Greetings and welcome, everyone, to the Loaded Car Podcast, the pilot episode. I am Paul from What's Paul Playing Today, and with me is Daniel, otherwise known as Chop the Viking. Today, we'll be talking about are AAA games murdering the gaming landscape? <laughs> are they murdering quality games? Let's... I don't want to jump directly into the topic personally it's really hard to quantify whether or not they're having a negative effect but why don't we talk about a few other things first for example there's some cool things going on in the industry right now i think you had something you want to talk about since you haven't said a damn word yet <laughs> no i haven't i mean there's some weird stuff going on right now uh, the only kind of funny thing there was a kickstarter for a classic rpg from some guys that worked at bioware for a while that had a very lackluster trailer that everyone jumped all over because it, it was very out of touch and uh a lot of people thought it was very misogynistic and let's be honest it was it was fucking stupid it was just bad but, it really was but the happy ending so to speak of the story is that they canceled the kickstarter uh they had only made about forty-eight thousand or so out of their four hundred thousand dollar goal and only had like 1400 backers but yeah they canceled so there's really only so much you can do with that particular topic especially when you've got dialogue that is so out of touch that colonel sanders is rolling in his grave trying to figure out how he can use it for kfc commercials and you've got two charitably termed actresses that wouldn't last the casting couch <laughs> possibly possibly I, I don't think they would i think my favorite part of that trailer though was that very just bizarre moment where that one chick's eyes turn green for no reason like no apparent reason at all in the in the trailer <laughs> i'll be honest with you i only got like halfway through it so i probably didn't see that portion uh, i yeah, turned it, was, it off in disgust it was when the girls left the little gaming store like this okay. one eyes turned green and it's like what was that about who knows her her eyes turned green and then she leaves what and, purpose uh, did that serve so i really wanted to go check at the time that i saw that on like how their kickstarter was doing and when i looked up their the website for their game their splash art on their big banner page and their wallpaper is this skinny hot blonde chick and a shorter brunette sidekick who has crazy vivid green eyes. And so essentially, they're the girls who are in the in the game? Yes. I so guess. I think the, the idea was that these nerds saw these two hot chicks talking about games and wishing that there were more strong women roles in games and then made a game of featuring those two women as the inspiration. That's not what the Kickstarter video portrayed at all. I was going to say, is that what it was supposed to be doing? I think so. I had no like, fucking just, idea what was going on. It's just simply based on, you know, watching the trailer and then going and looking that afterwards, it was like, oh, this all totally makes sense now. And her eyes turned green because she's the chick from the game. Oh, that makes sense. Why did that not make sense when I watched? Why didn't you? There was nothing. There's a very high quality video. They spent really good money on that video. Oh, they clearly spent a lot of money on the video. They, I mean, they, and it was at the very least high in production value, if not high in any sort of value in any other capacity. Right. Yes, I totally agree. Unfortunately, I don't know if that game is going to get made now. 
I also found out it was apparently based on one of their uh, a Neverwinter Nights modification adventure thingy. When you apply to work at BioWare, one of the things you have to do is part Show of your application the is using the Neverwinter Nights engine because that's what they use for all of their games, basically. Really? Yeah, I don't know. It, it has something to do with the scripting language that they use for all of their quests and crazy things okay. like that. But yeah, part of the submission is you have to do something with that engine to show off your talents of the quest designing and stuff like that. So fair enough. Fair so enough. I'm betting it's one it was one of their submissions, and they're like, "Oh, we could totally flesh this out into a real game," and then fail miserably at Kickstarter. Hooray! They, they misjudged their ability to humor, I think, and uh, who knows? Fair but enough. but yeah, so that's. An interesting thing that's going on. Yeah. You got anything neat that you've heard recently in the news or uh, anything like that? To be honest with you, there's a couple of things, but I'd prefer to save them for different casts. For example, remakes I'd like to cover in a different topic, but because uh, Capcom just announced they're remaking Resident Evil 2. And of course, Square finally announced to everyone's fever pitch of excitement, to put it mildly, the Final Fantasy VII remake. So I'd like to cover that in a different cast, but. Yeah. Those are two things that are at the very least happening in the industry. Sounds like a good thing to talk about in the future. Uh, definitely, definitely. Do what you been playing? I've actually been kind of boring lately. I've been playing Star Wars The Old Republic for a bit because I don't know if you saw the trailer for their new expansion that they're working on, but it's, I did. their trailers are amazing because Star Wars. But I was like, man, I haven't played that game in a while. I might as well play some. <laughs> and, and so I've been I've just been goofing off with it because it's kind of fun for an MMO and it has a really good story and stuff. I think that's what upsets me the most about it's not LucasArts anymore. I don't know who does The Old Republic, but... Oh, Just, it's Bioware. Okay, well, <laughs> I, <laughs> everything lately has kind of disappointed me. Yeah. I mean, Dragon Age Inquisition, it tried to step back into its previous shoes with Dragon Age Origins and meld with Dragon Age 2, and I feel like it tried to be too ambitious. That's fair. The other game I've been playing a lot lately is League of Legends with a bunch of friends. And then as of last night, we started messing around with Minecraft and on a ridiculous server with a bunch of mods on it, and we all died multiple times in the first 30 minutes of us playing. It was hilarious. Yeah. Well, I feel like we should have probably said this earlier, but if you're not aware, we are both on Twitch. He is Chop the Viking on Twitch, and I am Paul from What's Paul Playing Today. And I actually broadcast... Both of us and a few friends playing to Here's the Storm, which I screwed up multiple times when I was attempting to mention it in the intro to each episode. <laughs> but we've been playing that as well. I've also been playing a lot of my 3DS since I picked up the new 3DS, and specifically a game called Etrian Odyssey Untold 2. Basically, Etrian Odyssey is... If you, are you familiar with Atlas? Yes. Atlas does some really wonderful stuff with importing crazy Japanese games to the United States. So. Yep, and this is no different. Etrian Odyssey is a slew of titles. I think they were up to six, and then they finally decided to remake them much to my chagrin, but it, they actually did. They actually added on a lot of content. So not just a remake, but also a reimagining of it. So there's Etrian Odyssey Untold, which is the original Etrian Odyssey, but with an actual story built onto it, as opposed to just you making up your own campaign type thing. If you're not familiar with Etrian Odyssey, the games are similar to D&D in that you take a party of five adventurers of different classes, head into a dungeon, which is essentially the world tree, Drassel. Mm -hmm. And it, built into that world tree is a dungeon full of several labyrinths that you continue 
up to the top of the world tree to see if and each time you progress to the top of the world tree in this case Etrian Odyssey 2 is called the Fafnir Knight and you play as a it sounds silly I know but it's actually a really cool story as the story is unfolding you play as the Fafnir Knight as your main character you have a party of four other characters that you basically meet up with as the story progresses and you're trying to figure out why the hell you're transforming to a freaking demon pretty neat um so far enjoying it on 10 hours into the game and i have still haven't progressed past the first echelon of the labyrinth it's weird that you turn into a demon when fafnir is a uh, dragon it might be dragon M- mythology say fafnir was the uh what smaug was based on for uh lord of the rings lord of the rings yeah is a dragon who or it's actually a person who was so enamored with his treasure that he turned into a dragon to guard his giant treasure hoard. So similar to what happened to uh, Smeagol. Yeah, he got so corrupted by riches, he turned into a dragon and craziness ensued. That's fair. And then he got um, murdered by Sigrid, I think. I don't know. I don't remember that one. Then. It borrows heavily from Norse mythology. Oh, yeah. Uh, obviously, with the dress of the being the world tree and you climbing the world tree through dungeons. Excellent game. If you have a 3DS, I recommend at least giving it a try if you can. It literally just came out on Tuesday. So oh. I ended up picking it up. I've been very pleased with it so far sounds good so do you want to other than the fact that we both mess around with twitch and you with youtube a little more than me do you want to give any more of a bio than that or are you comfortable with people knowing who you are right now or (laughs) i'm pretty comfortable after the interview on tadpog that i did the other day (laughs) (laughs) yeah that was uh it was pretty revealing um you want to know too much about paul go to tadpog and listen to his interview from last saturday was it or was it two saturdays ago it was two saturdays ago last saturday this past monday which they do other shit mondays it was the chester cheat episode the week before was they were kind of pressure time and decided hey can you come in for your interview episode I'm like yeah sure why not for those of you who don't know head over to tadpog.com it's tyler and dave play old games they're a couple of good friends of mine great episodes great stuff they asked some pretty interesting questions i guess would be the appropriate term but yeah i amateur game designer developer i basically just always am farting around with games really i'm if i'm not playing games i'm talking about games if i'm not talking about games i'm probably streaming them while playing them or just doing all kinds of stuff yeah i've got 200 plus episodes probably 250 plus episodes on youtube now check it out go to what's well playing today on facebook.com slash what's playing today check it out it's fun stuff what about you similar boat i'm not nearly as far along as you in the let's play thing i'm actually really horrible about staying on schedule with it and mostly that is because i am in possession of an 11 month old midget but that's kind of just an excuse for the most part but it's mostly because my schedule is so erratic that i sometimes don't even get to sit down until like 11 or 12 12 o'clock to even play anything and at that point i'm like i don't even feel like setting up the stream right now i'm just gonna go i'm getting there slowly but surely getting there i think an 11 month old is a completely valid excuse that you're also moving (laughs) fairly soon yes yes and not that this you know mess behind me is any indication for those watching on youtube but i am in the process of moving and there's crap everywhere and lots of papers that got signed and stuff all over the place we're just going to criticize your organizational habits. That's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all important documents. And as you can see, like there's, you know, very obvious evidence of kid in the background, which is kind oh, of- Oh, clearly. Funny. Are you working in her general room or is this a, the full office now? This is always the office. I, I will be- we're moving at the end of the month and I will have a much better office at that point. So it'll, it'll be nice. It'll be just my space. I'm, I'm looking forward to that because hopefully that will help, especially since I will be completely across the house from my own bedroom so I can be loud at night and not wake my wife up. And so that will help with the streaming stuff. And will also help with your marriage. Yes. <laughs> well, extremely, extremely. And she's been, thank you very much, Cassie, for letting Dan do this. It's, it's appreciated. <laughs> 
we came here to start a topic uh, specifically with our AAA games murdering really the rest of gaming are they hurting the industry and i gotta know what side of the fence do you fall on in this case i am mixed and the reason i am mixed on it is that yes in a lot of ways the big budgets and the money and the need for it for these big awesome grandiose titles can stifle creativity a lot and there's lots of problems when you start getting into big investors and lots of money being involved in the whole thing and that becomes a problem murdering is probably going too far but it was just a funny way to put it but it's a very provocative yeah, title I admit. yes i do think that they definitely have an impact on the quality of game that you get to play and kind of everything else surrounding it so i definitely think they have an impact and it's not necessarily a positive one when, when you mention quality of game i'm immediately reminded of assassin's creed unity and the absolute monster dump that Ubisoft crapped out into the console and PC space that didn't even get a PC port yet. I don't know. I don't know if it did or not. I think I remember seeing ads for it on uh, Steam, but I don't know. They may have done the same thing with Batman and just pulled it. Either way, I'm just reminded of that for, I don't know, there's the yearly release cycle games that I think are doing the most harm. For example, the Madden games, the FIFAs, the really the, all of the EA sports titles are the ones that are the yearly release cycle that make marginal improvements at best. And while EA has kind of had a lot of, at the very least, decent control over their bugs, you also get stuff like Assassin's Creed Unity, which is also an Ubisoft title that is over and over, you know, yearly release cycle now, because from now until the heat death of the universe, we're probably going to have an Assassin's Creed, which if you enjoy that game, more power to you. I hope you enjoy the series. I hope you enjoy the story, but it's definitely not my cup of tea. I think my turnoff point was when Assassin's Creed 3 came out within two weeks before they were advertising for Assassin's Creed 4. And I was like, yeah, I can't do that. <laughs> yeah, another big offender in my book for that mentality is by far has to be Call of Duty. They basically release the exact same game every November, charge you $60 for the game, $50 for all the add-ons for the season pass and then like another $30, $40 now for the premier online experience that supposedly weeds out all of the toxic players, which it doesn't because <laughs> they all pay the same money as you do to play. So they get like $100, $120 out of you every year just to play the exact same game that's like, ooh, now we have Nazi zombies this year. And then next year, oh, we have communist zombies now. I don't know. We have a giant mech you can freaking pilot, or at least we turn you into a mech. I get it. I do. That's one of the big reasons why I don't even think I made it to Modern Warfare too i think i stopped at black ops it was like i played like modern warfare i played world at war or whatever then i think black ops and i was just like yeah i'm done i enjoyed the heck out of modern warfare the story at least i get where you're coming from they always focus on multiplayer and they have like a six hour campaign so if you wait until two years down the line and purchase it for 20 bucks as opposed to the 70 that they are trying to arm twist you it's worthwhile i think for six hours seven hours of story 20 bucks i can see myself paying that it's still murder on your wallet because you're paying 20 bucks for seven hours of story you're probably not going to play online anyway but the story is actually surprisingly enjoyable enough yeah the couple that i played playing through the single player was an interesting story again they went for some sensationalism with like the airport scene and oh man crawling away from the nuclear bomb and that was one of my favorite scenes honestly yeah there's definitely some good stuff which brings up kind of a larger aspect of where call of duty stands and all this and how modern fps has basically completely killed off the fps genre because <laughs> like if you think about it like 
the old school, fast paced, action packed first person shooter, I can think of one game, Serious Sam. And that game was just awful. And I've heard to a degree that Painkiller is kind of along those same lines, but for real, and that was the staple of the market, these fast paced action games they don't exist anymore. And I don't know if that's because people genuinely don't want to play a fast-paced action game or if it's because for some reason some guy doesn't think that they will make money and therefore they are not made because we want another Halo, we want another Call of Duty, make something that's more like Battlefield, like that that budgeting problem that constantly comes up when it comes to AAA games. Yeah, Call of Duty and Battlefield are two pretty big offenders because they will come out with yearly releases. The interesting thing that I've noticed is that the Black Ops team, Treyarch, is actually different from the original Call of Duty team. And they actually, mm-hmm. I guess, farmed out the license. So yeah, there's actually three studios that made... Three now. Yeah, there's three studios, in my understanding, that made Call of Duty games. I think one is Sledgehammer, if I remember right. Then there's Infinity Ward, which I think they are no longer original. making... Yeah. They're no longer making it, and their contract got sold to someone else. And then there's Treyarch. So, but, yeah. but basically, that yearly cycle isn't the same company doing a yearly cycle. They get right. a three-year cycle. Which you'd think they'd have better games coming out, right. you know? They alternate. So for a while, it was Modern Warfare was Infinity Ward. World at War was Treyarch. Black Ops, I think, was Infinity Ward. Then Modern Warfare 2 was Treyarch. Like, they alternated. Right, so right. They weren't just cramming everything out in a year. Which which is good, yeah, but it, also it, it the same time. the quality of the games, but that's how they are able to do it, is they don't make all of the games. But you can see and feel the difference between the companies that make them. I believe Activision was the original with Call of Duty 1, 2, and 3 that were the World War II simulators. Yeah, that was Infinity Ward. That was Infinity Ward? Yeah. Okay, because Infinity Ward Activision with... published them, but Infinity Ward developed them originally. Right, and I remember that, if I recall correctly, Infinity Ward continued on with the series with Modern Warfare, and once Modern Warfare 3 came out, I think they, their contract went defunct. Something like that. Are they the ones who came out with Titanfall? I believe so. They did. Either their new company did it, the, the guys that were originally Infinity Ward, or just actually Infinity Ward did it. I don't remember, because right, right. I honestly don't really pay attention to that genre anymore, unfortunately, just because... I am so just disenchanted with it due to a lot of this stuff because I am not a huge fan of cover-based shooters. Totally understandable. Because I love tactical shooters, which are get a totally different ball game, like Operation Flashpoint, and some yep. of those like are tons of fun, but totally different style game too. Yeah, Tom Clancy's games would fall into tactical shooters, I would think. Yeah, especially like their older stuff, mm-hmm. Raven Shield, and prior to that, I can't think of the names of those games. Rainbow Six. Yep, Rainbow like Six that, series. That SWAT, the SWAT games, uh, SWAT 3 and 4 were first person. I, I would love to see a SWAT 5. I don't think it's going to happen ever because the license is still with Sierra, and Sierra has since become defunct. I think they've resurged, but I don't, yeah, there, I don't see it coming. There's something going on because they just released an episodic King's Quest game, which is like... That's also not Sierra, as far as I know. That's a tribute, a humble tribute to Sierra, based in the style of... From what I can tell, it's it's in the style of Telltale games. I haven't actually looked at it, because again, not a uh, King's Quest fan. I was a Quest for Glory fan, so... Totally you, fair. You were either one or the other back in the day. I was a fan of both, but... <laughs> I, I, I do see your point, I do, because they're not quite the same type of game. Mm-hmm. But there's the, the cover-based shooting and the shield phenomenon, as it were, with the regeneration 
generative shields, which kind of dumbs down the genre. I don't want to say it like that, but I feel like it just literally would dumb down the genre completely. I definitely think it hurts for a first-person shooter. The concept of, hey, let me hide over here for 30 seconds and I'll get all my health back. It kind is of, kind of ridiculous. To pair this with a very crazy and ridiculous indie game, uh, Hotline Miami shows why not having that can be a lot of fun. It can also be frustrating as hell. Oh, it can be. But just balls to the wall, you go in, guns blazing. Like, that's what made SPSs fun back in the day. Stuff with, like, yep. like two that were, like, just super, super fast. It was a lot of fun, but... yeah. Yeah. Now it's now it's all trudging through a swamp with your gun and going just super, super slow. And I don't know. I suppose it depends because I actually want to see a side-by-side -side comparison of something like, say, Duke Nukem 3D and something like, say, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, which is, in my opinion, probably the best of the series. Just the side-by-side -side comparison to see how fast-paced they both are. You know what I mean? Yeah, kind of. I don't know. Duke Nukem is not the best example of, like, that old-school style. Okay, um, Doom. Yeah, Arguably the, the best original, example. Original Doom? Yes, yes, yes. I'm not, like, not like Doom 3 or the upcoming title, which we'll not get into that because yeah. I'll just get oh. salty. <laughs> uh, to throw back to one of your earlier gripes not terribly long ago the original designer of rise of the triad which is a very very old school first person shooter did a remake of rise of the triad as a 3d shooter and supposedly it's fun and super it fast pace with dog packs, shit but I, I own it it's dog shit i will stream it <laughs> and you can watch it and enjoy the dog shit with me and enjoy you dying a lot it is it's consistent deaths i feel like the game is unbalanced as hell and i paid three bucks for it and i want my three dollars back <laughs> that's a rave review right there yeah um, yeah i think if you take all of that stuff in in comparison and you look at a really good example of how it has affected games in general is that look at these look at the output of a classic first person shooter company id software huh. and look at you have doom you have quake all that stuff super fast paced up until doom 3 which was it was atmospheric and i actually enjoyed the title oh i do three the vanilla one i mean not like the new modifications yeah Doom 3, despite the amusing fiasco that was the flashlight incident, was a really good game. I actually like the whole, you have to make a choice between whether or not you want to see what is coming for you and or whether you want to shoot what is coming for you. I can understand the gripe because, let's be honest here, you've got a futuristic assault rifle. Why would you not have a flashlight attached to it? Yes. I get that. I, I get the gripe with that. I, that's totally I, fine. I do too. Like, and that's why there's a really funny mod for Doom 3 for PC that's called the duct tape mod, and it literally... Yep puts a flashlight on your and, and Only two of them, though, which is kind of funny. They've actually incorporated that particular mod, and you don't have to worry about flashlights for any of your guns anymore. Yeah, in the the BFG edition, I think. Yeah, yeah. Which, which I actually kind of object to, because mm -hmm. I enjoyed the atmospheric nature of, you are in the dark. You can either choose this giant freaking gun or a flashlight. Yeah. Take your pick. Oh, it made, the, it made the original playthrough of Doom 3 scary as shit. Like, oh, it was it was great. great. I thought it was really enjoyable. Yeah, I do too. So after Doom 3, you had Quake 4. I, this might be reversed, but... Uh, I think it's reversed, but... But but Quake 4 was also a departure from the fast-paced game, like the one before it was Quake 3 Arena. I think then to defy that progression, they did Quake Live, which still exists, and it is a browser-based Quake game. If you haven't played it, it's actually pretty awesome. I'm kind uh, of curious. It is Quake 3 Arena, but it's it, all HTML5 and you can play it in your browser and blow the crap out of people it exists quick live 
I'm interested. I think it still exists, but it's fantastic. It is an old school action-packed shooter, which is kind of funny. And then you've got their more recent stuff. You have Wolfenstein, the new Wolfenstein game. Have you played that? I have not played it yet. I know you really enjoyed it. I loved it. I can't remember the actual subtitle for it. It's new not the order? new order. The new no, it's the, not the new order. That was that's, the, that's the expansion. The expansion, yeah which takes on a different character, not BJ Blazkowicz, but they did an excellent job with it. I feel like it keeps the fast pace, the blow the crap out of everything with your weaponry. It's awesome. I, I wanted to stream it. The trouble is that it demands a lot of your video card and memory. So it, I, it, I, it I is could, a good software game. Like, it, it demanded it. everything. It demanded the sun. And uh, I gave it the sun <laughs> for what, uh, and my kitten's first blood it was it was an excellent game i highly recommend playing it i picked it up for the original price was like 60 bucks i picked it up on sale for 30 and i do not regret a single penny of that nice then there's rage which i don't know if, if i you, did play rage. you didn't play rage i did the sound that encompasses my <laughs> entire realization that it had so much potential to be a co-op game and Dude. then they relegated it to the specific co-op levels and i played it with my buddy ben who i've i've been playing games with him since we were both like 15 years old and it was a fun experience but it's not one i want to repeat because they have co-op designated games you can't play the original game like borderlands did this perfectly mm -hmm. yeah borderlands is a very weird example of a game though because because Borderlands was an homage to another style of game in a different style. Like, it is literally they wanted to make a Diablo first-person shooter. And they did it well. Yeah. It's the kind of first-person shooter I wanted growing up. Like, I wanted to play with my friends. I wanted to go shoot the crap out of everything in my way with my buddies. Yeah, we used to play uh, the original Quake all the time, multiplayer, co-op. Same with Quake 2. Where did that go? Where did that kind of playstyle go? I used to play Shadow Warrior with Ben all the time. And yeah. it was fun. It was excellent. Where the freak did that go what's wrong with you triple a companies come on give us some freaking co-op they would rather have multiplayer like competitive multiplayer than co-op i don't understand people keep clamoring for it i mean there are some games that it is super super difficult to do and i don't know everyone always wants bethesda to make an elder scrolls that is multiplayer and then they shit out the elder scrolls online no 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 they there's one before that go on there is an Elder Scrolls game that's called Battlespire. It, okay. it is an older game. I think it's either right before or right after Elder Scrolls 3. So right after, right around the time of Morrowind or right before Morrowind, I think. It, it, it was a multiplayer game and it was a giant, massive train wreck. It was super bug filled and it, it was not enjoyable. That had to have been around 2002, 2003. The tech really wasn't there yet i feel like a kind of want an elder scrolls multiplayer game and then i just slowly swivel my gaze <laughs> no. toward tso even worse it was 97 still the, the technology wasn't even remotely there. i was still using freaking dial-up in 97 yes it used dial-up it used dos it was a okay. DOS it was it was around daggerfall then yeah it was, it was right after daggerfall when they branched out into making other styles of games for a little bit yeah they also yeah. made an adventure game around that time too which would have been cool. I'm actually kind of curious to play it. I might look it up and see if it's abandoned where yet. The adventure game? Yeah. It's uh, called Red Guard. Is it point and click? or? Uh, it's called Elder Scrolls Adventures Red Guard. So, I'm kind of curious. I mean, I'll, yeah. I'll go and beat the crap out of things as Red Guard. I'm in. I'm sold. Uh, it also might be, yeah, you have to use DOS. It's DOS box. No big deal. There's a small chance that one might be on good old games, but I don't know. I haven't looked. Hmm. Maybe, maybe. 
to switch gears a little bit, the AAA titles and their giant budgets and their projections and all of this stuff that they expect people to do, I know we both feel that it kind of sets unrealistic expectations for the rest of the industry. For example, we've got Kickstarter games that are getting multi-million dollar budgets and then experiencing even more scope creep when they want to throw out the biggest, most awesome game ever. And I guarantee you, you, I know you know what I'm talking about in this yeah, one right. example. <laughs> so I know you wanted to talk about this at the very least. So I'm gonna... uh, kind of. There's a few big offenders. I think as much as almost everyone loves the dude, uh, Tim Schafer, they wanted to do a small adventure game. Yeah. They wanted $400,000 and they got like, Three million. They got just this ridiculous amount of money. And for a small title for an indie company, that's not really a huge ask. Four hundred grand. It's really not. For considering how many people they had, I think they had like what a thirty-person team. I would actually be really curious to see what they would actually make for that budget as an adventure game. I'm curious. But instead, we got Broken Age. I have not played through the whole thing yet. The second half of it is finally out now. Several years later, because that was 2012. 2011 2012 was when they funded it and now it's finally finished yeah and then there's other examples too in exile making wastelands 2 i still haven't played it yet but i really want to i've heard nothing but good things though yeah shadowrun returns which now has their third kickstarter online i think for no their second kickstarter for shadowrun hong kong yeah and hong kong's already out i thought no it's getting it should be getting ready to come out i think Okay. They're almost finished with it. But they're on their third game. They did their game. They did Dragonfall, the expansion, which was basically another full game. And now they're working on game number three. Yep. And they were all excellent. Yeah. And they're all on time, which is awesome because Jordan Weissman is probably one of my favorite people ever. Actually, the funny part is you haven't covered the game I wanted to talk about. It's Star Citizen. But I want to hear this from you. <laughs> <laughs> Because I know you have a lot to say. It's a very weird thing. There's a lot of people that are unhappy with it because, again, it was, I think, 2012 that they did their original campaign on Kickstarter. And now they are 80-something million dollars later and they still don't have anything significant released. They have some little alpha tests of modules of their main games i think that i just saw something about their dog fighting module or something like that their space combat module that one's got shit tons of feature creep now it was supposed to be the mmo wing commander and it wants to be and then there's a first person shooter aspect that added into it like you can get out of the ship and do stuff which is kind of cool yeah, uh, And then, I don't know, there's just so much crap that's getting added to it, and it's been going super, super slow, despite the millions and millions and millions of dollars worth of stuff yeah. that's been poured into it. There's even been weird things going on lately, like high-level executives in the company leaving the company for various reasons that they're not talking about because they probably have non-disclosure agreements but it's not great signs but it's definitely the the concern for some people very loudly proclaimed by a, a gentleman derek smart who very famously recently was refunded the couple of thousands of dollars he invested into the game he got his full pledge back refunded to him because he very publicly was like, I don't think I don't have any ever confidence. going to be able to finish yeah. this game. It, it just kind of reminds me of Shroud of the Avatar. If you're not familiar, Lord British, who is yes. the 
the guiding mind behind the Ultima series. Great games, fantastic storylines. I, I don't remember the company anymore that he originally started and had since left. He then decided that, hey, I can use this Kickstarter thing from my new company and we can fund something called Shroud of the Avatar, which is a virtual successor to that, but also an MMO, also ballooned out to this extremely ambitious project, which I unfortunately funded. And I'm now getting periodic updates on Alpha 43. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually am also a backer of that Kickstarter. I was originally much higher funding level on that one. Yeah. But towards the end of it, I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go down to the, yeah. the lowest funding level. And then they gave it, like, I think everyone beta access. So yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I get, like, probably a weekly email from them being like, here, download this new alpha version. And uh, no. Thank I haven't messed you. with it in a while. Uh, I probably should because I'm sure it's come a long way. It's released 20 on July 29th was the last release. Yeah, I think the last one I played was six, maybe five or six was the last yeah. one I actually bothered installing and playing. I haven't, I haven't touched it, to be honest with you. And, th and they got 1.9 million for their project, mm -hmm. which honestly, in the days of AAA titles these days, that's not even a blip on the radar. They're, they're, they're in the hundreds of millions of dollar ranges, and that sets so much unrealistic expectations to you know bring it back to what we're, our topic is actually about. <laughs> yes, that's kind of the point, is that a lot of people, they think, oh, hey, we can make you know this a little adventure game that's going to take someone 10 hours to complete. Like, oh, we can totally make that for like yeah, $40,000. Let's do it. We can totally do this. Yeah. And it, no, like it's not even remotely close. Like it's unless people are donating their time and planning to get money out of the sales. You're That's a labor of love project that you're thinking oh, of. Yeah. That they were thinking of, I should say. Mm -hmm. We talked about all of the brokenness that is promoted by yearly cycles, uh, the, the bugs and unrealistic expectations. But we haven't really talked about AAA titles that haven't gotten off the ground. For a great example, Aliens Colonial Marines. That just shit the bed so hard, I'm pretty sure it's down in China now. <laughs> yeah, bugginess can be a problem. And I think part of that has to do with something like Aliens Colonial Marines and some, a couple of other titles that I can think of off the top of my head, is that primarily a lot of the bugginess it's up on PC. Sure. And I think a lot of that problem is because they're not developed as PC games. They're developed as like, I'm going to be an Xbox game. And then it, they go at the last second. Oh, we'll also, I guess we'll put out a PC game too. Yeah, we can recompile it, right? That, that'll work. And then they put out a PC game, which ends up being a giant flaming ship. Pile of shit. Yeah. <laughs> as you're saying, yeah, we're, we're, we'll just put out a PC game. Batman Arkham Knight. Fuck you. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> you failed so hard, we pulled you from Steam. Yeah, it's interesting. But it doesn't have to be like even as far as, oh, this game is totally broken and doesn't work anymore. I'll point even a smaller one out. Skyrim and Oblivion. Think about Skyrim and Oblivion. Playing them on a PC. How many quick item slots do you have? As many as I freaking want. How many do you have without modding it? Uh, Ten? Eight. You really? Only eight? Yes, because that's the number of directions on a D-pad. Hmm. Without modding the game, you got eight quick item slots. I never even put that together because, honestly, I don't often use the quick item slots. Yeah, I never needed to. Just simple little things like that. It's like you've got a PC forever in a day. You have 12 equipment buttons at the top. Like every MMO uses that as the hot bar. Every... Yeah. 
yeah. first-person shooter goes out, you know, as Not far only as that, they can go. But you look at the keyboards that they have nowadays, they've got all these G keys on the fucking side that you can program in. It, it's it's ridiculous the amount you can do with the keyboard and mouse. Oh, and yeah. then you've got eight. Yeah. You get eight because that's the number of directions on a D-pad because if you're playing it on the Xbox 360 or the PlayStation, the D-pad is what switches between your quick selects. Yep. Yeah, I totally get that that's super nitpicky, but it's one of those things as a PC gamer, you go, why do I only have eight? And this is why our PC Master Race is a thing. <laughs> Another one that was like apparently super ridiculously buggy for PC was, you mentioned earlier, Dragon Age 3, I believe. Was, the Dragon Age Inquisition. Yep. It was so bad that like people just stopped playing it. And yep. still haven't gone back and played it, which is kind of funny. It's a good game. It's fun. It's just that it's not It's just not there yeah. for PC. It's It feels soulless. Yeah. Another weird just technical one that, that I know of off the top of my head, back to id Software with Rage. And part of it was a technical thing because John Carmack always is weird about the technological stuff that he would always mess with when he's making a game. But Rage actually is hard capped at a 30 fps frame rate and that was partly so that it would perform better on consoles but it also is frame rate capped on a pc which is ridiculous he wanted to do it as see how it affected it and apparently it got better performance out of the game everything just ran better and it partly is probably just him being his crazy genius self so Carmack, one of the most entertaining stories that I heard about for him was when id Software first got bought by Zenimax, the people who own Bethesda. One of the first things he did is he pulled the Fallout 3 source code off of the Zenimax servers and did an iPhone port of Fallout 3. What? Why? To prove that he could. Because I can. Okay, sure. Why not? But he, they literally, in id's office, had a working version complete with controls of Fallout 3 playing on iPhones in their office. That had to be brutally slow. No, because that's the the technology that was made to run on worked really, really well. I think it was on, on the iPhone 5. All right. But it was totally playable, and he just wanted to prove that it, the iPhone could run a game the quality of Fallout 3. It's kind of fucked up, man. Well, you got to think, Fallout 3 is older than you think it is. No, no, I, I know it's an older game. It's just, it's still kind of fucked up. Fallout 3 was 2008. Yeah, it's not that old, though. Uh, I mean, think about it. Nine years old is not that old with regards to some games. It is super old in the video game industry. Yes and no. You say that, and I'm still sitting here playing Luffy on occasion, which oh. is older than dirt when it comes to yeah, video games. I'm, I'm not knocking older games. Older games can be a lot of fun, but they show their age really quickly. I think the primary reason that I really despise triple a titles despise is a harsh word but it's accurate the marketing guys are making the decisions we see all these broken games come out we see the problems that they have and the release cycles that they have and it's not the developers fault they want to bring out a good game they do they love bringing out good games they got in the industry because of the same passion that we have for playing their games they wanted to make something that people can sit and point at and say this is freaking awesome and I want to keep playing it for the rest of time. Then the marketing guys, the money guys come in. So I know you just made this game and uh, it's got like an octopus for a dad and he's raising some kids, but can can you make it a little more like Grand Theft Auto? Our reports show that Grand Theft Auto is making lots of money right now. So, I mean, 
obviously lots of people want to play a game like that. So I know you have this really grandiose game about getting a piece of toast across a kitchen or something, but can you make it a little more like Grand Theft Auto? Octodad, <laughs> if you haven't played it, it's freaking awesome. I have a full playthrough up on YouTube. It's only like three hours. Go watch it. It's great. And I am bread is also very fun. I watched the guys over at Achievement Hunter play it. Have you seen that? It's amazing. Um, There's a very amusing YouTube channel that's called Teens React, and they occasionally do old video games, but they did a Teens React to I Am Bread, and they made them, like, cold play the game without knowing what it was. Yeah. Like, the challenge was basically just to complete one level, just the first level of the game, and it was... Like watching these kids, borderline profanity from these kids was hilarious. Yeah. If you haven't seen the Achievement Hunter one where Michael and Gavin are doing it, teaming up, it was around the time that, like, sometime last year that they were doing the I Am Bread thing. And it's just Michael screaming at Gavin the entire freaking time. What are you doing? Press it's classic michael is just screams at everybody including his wife on nice. the show you yeah. know he and Lindsay are married right no i did not but that's yeah kind of funny i was very very stereotypical of probably around the time of grand theft auto 3 grand theft auto uh, probably four. vice city like that yeah. era literally every publisher in the world was like can you make it more like grand theft auto I'm pretty sure if you come out with the first person shooter these days, it's going to be like, well, can it be a little more like Destiny or can it be a little more like Call of Duty? And the then we game? got Saints Row. Yeah. Well Saints, <laughs> well, Saints Row is your great example. Like the original Saints Row game. Can you make this a little more like Grand Theft Auto? Because that's what Saints Row was. It was a kind of a knockoff tongue-in-cheek competitor to... It was the B-movie Grand Theft Auto. And then starting with... Saints Row 2 is kind of like Evil Dead 2. They realize that it's funny, and so they mess with the stereotypes a little bit. Everyone gets Saints Row 3, where you get a dick sword, because dick swords are great. And Saints Row 4, where the first, like, 30 minutes of the game, you get a mode of travel that makes it so you don't need a car forever. (laughs) Yeah, because you have superpowers. I still haven't played through Saints Row 4 yet. It's very high up on my list of things to play, because I really want to play it, because it looks really funny. If you recall, Dan, we played... uh... Here's a storm with uh, we played through Saints Row 3 together and the entire thing is up on YouTube. And that was a hell of a lot of fun. We started Saints Row 4 and we just never went back because it was just, okay, this is a bit too much. Because <laughs> you're, you're the president. Yes. Literally our elected president of the United States after Saints Row 3, which they don't adequately explain the first little bit. And I'm not sure why we're president. So, okay, that's fine. President of the United States. Okay, whatever. Your entire Saints Row crew is chief of staff. You know, the, the all the all the you know, uh, I think uh, who, what's the tech girl's name? The the redhead, former federal agent. She's the secretary of defense. It's really just all kinds of fouled up and messed up, and everybody's abducted by aliens, and they want to take over the freaking planet and challenge the saints, and it's just why? Because yeah, pretty much. And the because is the exact reason because that Saints Row exists. Because we can. It's very interesting that they're doing a lot of throwback games now too, but and that's I think it's kind of a bucking of this trend of big games with super huge budgets and they were like, let's make a Baldur's Gate game, which just got released and some people love and some people hate because it's an old school RPG talking about Pillars of Eternity. I haven't played that yet. I didn't even know it was a thing. Oh yeah, it's Obsidian made it. I'm in. They kickstarted it because they didn't know if they could is that the spiritual sequel to planescape no that's tides of numeria i think and that one's still on the way that's in exile doing that one but no this one's uh it's it's a completely unique Baldur's gate style party based 
I'm in. I'm sold already. Yeah, it, it's out on Steam, so go play. Apparently, it's super difficult and has a nice giant learning curve. And you know, it's a Baldur's Gate style. Sweet game. Baldur's Gate. Yeah, it's a D and D style game. Uh, I'm looking forward to playing that at some point too. Uh, it's, yeah, it's also pretty high up in the queue. I think we've beat this topic to death. So, did we murder it? We may have. <laughs> uh, if you are curious to hear more, head over to loadedcartgaming.com. We will be hosting all these episodes there. If you want to see more of Dan's stuff on YouTube and Twitch, he is, is it twitch.tv slash chopviking? I believe so. Head over there. He doesn't do much at the moment, but uh, he'll be getting up soon, as soon as they probably move, I'm sure. I am over at facebook.com slash what's Paul playing today. You can find me there. I do all the postings of episodes whenever I'm going live on Twitch. I really need to change over my Twitch handle. It's currently twitch.tv slash R-A-Z-O-K-K-U-L-L. It's old and annoying, and I need to change it. But you can find me there. I told you how to, so you need to do it now. Eventually. (laughs) <laughs> it's just like everything else. It's uh-huh. manana mentality. And also, very importantly, if you guys have any comments or any questions for us or any kind of feedback at all, you can send an email to podcast at loadedcartgaming.com. And we will we will respond to you probably by email. We'll also probably address some stuff on the show, too. So stay tuned and send us comments and we'll be happy to talk about stuff especially if you have topic ideas we'll be happy to take those on too we'll talk about just about anything for the most part honestly that's not even a joke (laughs) Uh, we've we've talked about a lot this episode and feel free to email us uh in fact i love receiving email i've received a couple for youtube it was literally the highlight of my day to receive email for that kind of thing. It's, it's great. Nice. Feel free to do so. To further reiterate, if you want to address Paul alone, paul at loadedcartgaming.com. If you want to get in touch with me, you can email chop, like karate chop, at loadedcartgaming.com. And for the show, it's podcast at loadedcartgaming.com. Anyway, just address the email to us directly or even just include our names in there. We'll take a look at it. We'll respond to you accordingly. And if it's something that we were really liking, we'll, we'll bring it up on the show and Maybe read some emails on the show and respond to them accordingly. Anything else you want to add? Keep playing some good games. Let us know what you're playing. Uh, Let us know if there's anything you would like to hear us talk about. We will be doing more of these in the future. So let's keep going. All right. This is Lodacar Podcast signing off. I apologize, John Carmack. You're not a douchebag. John Romero is.